Hello, this is Pastor Mo, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Broussard. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these messages. My hope is that this sermon will be a benefit to your spiritual growth and that you will prayerfully take to heart the contents of this week's message. I also encourage you to pull up the accompanying sermon notes and follow along as you listen. If you have any questions or would like to follow up after the sermon, feel free to contact me or our staff here at First Baptist Broussard. May God bless you as we begin this week's sermon. Well, we, if you're a guest here, uh, our theme for the year is Vision 2020. Uh, obviously, it's 2020. We're going to catch a vision this year of what the mission of God is. What is his mission? What is his purpose? And make it our priority focus. And that's what we've been dealing with for the last uh, uh, few weeks since January 1st. We've looked at the various ways and basically seven stages of God's work to bring forth, to introduce and to come to conclusion his mission which started with the birth of Jesus, uh, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, the sending of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, and then the second return of Jesus Christ to establish his kingdom. And so that, that mission is for us to share the good news, to evangelize and disciple so that people will come into the kingdom of God and then will reign forever with him. And we want to make that an intentional, deliberate, consistent focus of ours to focus on the mission of God. Well, today our message is entitled, Be Bold, Don't Fold. Uh, it's talking about being bold in our faith and sharing, uh, having conviction and standing on, the, on Jesus, the cornerstone that we sang about earlier, uh, standing on him and, and conviction, uh, a purpose and direction uh, of that. So uh, we want to uh, uh, look at this idea of being bold in the Lord uh, from Acts chapter 4. So if you want to take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 4, uh, we're going to be, well actually we'll be kind of as a verse from, from uh, 1, 2, and 3 in here, but 4 is where we're kind of pulling up to, pulling the, from the events that we've discussed in the past. Our key verse is verse 29, which is Peter in one of his messages, bold messages, he said, Now, Lord, in his prayer, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. So it's time to have a bold faith. Now, many of you who are longtime Saints fans, you remember this these days? The ain'ts and the brown bag. I hope none of you wore that. But these people, uh, they were still Saints fans, but they were just rather ashamed. And they didn't want anybody necessarily to know who they were. You may not do that, but you may do this metaphorically. Put a spiritual bag over your head, undercover Christian. You know, it would probably take for some people, not none of you obviously, but for some Christians, somewhere, somehow, it would take the FBI, the CSI, and, uh, and uh, NCIS and everybody to discover that you're a Christian. Okay, I mean, at your work, or at your business, I mean, you're a Christian? Uh, and, you know, uh, so I hope that does not uh, describe any of you here. If it does, today is the day for you to take the bag off and to come out for Jesus, okay? And to make sure that you are bold in your faith and uh, that you're not like uh, the uh, cowardly lion of Wizard of Oz. You know, in the other book, the other series, his name is Burr, B-R-R-R-R-R, Burr. Uh, so Burr, don't be like Burr and be cowardly lion. You need to be like the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan. 
Have courage and strength. So that's what we're focusing on today is being bold in our faith, having conviction. Now, we may want to clarify what I mean by boldness because some of you may be thinking of some outspoken, brash, in-your-face type of personality. That's not what I'm talking about here today. Okay, that's the world's view of it. Just like there's a world's view of what love is, what peace is, and it's okay, but we don't want to be just okay. We want to be biblical in understanding. So the Greek term, which is parousia, is translated bold or boldly, means candor in the face of opposition. Now, candor may not be a word you're familiar with too much, but you've heard of candid camera, but they kind of took off of a different idea of it. But candor is the idea of frankness, straightforwardness, a straight shooter that is, you know, that's continuous in that. We should give a candid, and this is the key aspect, clear, compassionate, and compelling witness. That's what I'm talking about, clear, compassionate, compelling witness. Now, John Piper in his uh, book says that boldness, in the biblical sense, is not a personality trait. Now, I would probably adjust to say it's not just a personality trait, but it's a spiritual characteristic. That's what I would add in there. But he gives illustration. A typically soft-spoken, introverted, calm person, which may be you, can be bold at a time when a typically driven, outspoken, brash person shrinks back. Because you see, boldness is acting. But it's acting by the power of the Holy Spirit on an urgent conviction in the face of some threat or some opposition or some great event. And he gives three characteristics there. Spirit-empowered, conviction, courage, and urgency. So if we put together the, the top part up here, uh, candid, clear, and compassionate, uh, and compelling, along with conviction, courage, and urgency, maybe you can formulate in your head, because you need to come up with an understanding of what conviction and boldness is. I can tell you all day long, but you have to make that decision. What are you going to come? And so this is the information I'm giving you uh, to compel you to, to make as your understanding of, of this boldness and that it is something that we are supposed to do. It's something that we're supposed to be. Because you see, we're saved, we're called and commissioned to be bold and courageous in our faith. Now, some of you here today may already start to feel a little uncomfortable. Say, oh, I'm just kind of here to just, to just to be here. Don't, don't press me with anything. Well, I'm not trying to press you or to make you feel bad or to, to do something that, that you're not. What I'm trying to do is to compel you, to lay it out there for you, that God wants you to be bold. He wants you to be clear and compelling in your witness. Now, it could be that you're going to be bold and compelling and clear as if almost like a, a little mouse running through the house. You know, it, it gets ready. So it may be quiet. It may be calm. It may be a more introverted viewpoint. So forget your personality type. We're not talking about personality types here today. Okay, now, your personality was created by God, and you've been given that by God. Uh, probably the world and your family has shaped that outside of what maybe God would want for you. But we're not talking about a personality trait here today. We're talking about a spiritual characteristic that should be common among believers in Christ. And that's what we're sort of looking at today. 
So, back to our my button is not working too good. There, there we go. Acts chapter 4. It's time to be bold. We're going to look at, well, the key. Actually, it's only one sermon point today. I don't think I'm going to be any shorter, but it's only one point today uh, with three little supporting uh, issues that help describe that. But let's set it in context here a little bit, especially for those that may be new here. But for all of us here, this is from the book of Acts. Remember, I'm sort of loosely preaching through the book of Acts. I'm not doing verse by verse like I did with John last year, but loosely working through the book of Acts and some major themes that help us understand what the mission of God is so that we can make it our focus. So we looked at already how Luke, we think it's Luke, uh, who was one of the uh, followers of Jesus, a Gentile, a doctor, intelligent man, who wrote this account. He wrote the book of Luke, obviously, the gospel, but this is part two, the follow-up. And he writes to the same fellow, Theophilus, or to the same church, the lovers of love, the one who loves God is what that means. But, so it could be anybody, but let's just say he wrote this guy to give a clear understanding. He says, of all that Jesus did up to his death and then up to his resurrection, now I want to pick up from his resurrection and tell you the like Paul Harvey, now the rest of the story is. Now, so I want to tell you the rest of the story, uh, what is Luke saying? So he begins to talk about how after Jesus was resurrected, he was on earth for 40 days, and well over 500 people were eyewitness, visible eyewitnesses to his resurrection. On the 40th day after his resurrection, he gathered on Mount Olivet outside of Jerusalem where the I think that's when the 500 that it talks about were there plus. And he gave the Great Commission. He gave, you know, Acts 1-8, you know, uh, the power, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all of the ends of the earth. So he gave those final words, and then he just ascended up into heaven in front of them. Now, that must have been something awesome to see. Well, he also told them, by the way, before you leave, I want you to go to Jerusalem and stay there because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Ten days later, on what we call Pentecost Sunday, he sent the Holy Spirit down. The, the tongues of flame fell upon them. They began to speak in other languages, languages that people could hear. So it's like if I were to say up here, we have one of our members, Gigi, back here. She's from Indonesia. Uh, and if it would, the, the tongues would be as if I started speaking in Bahasa, Indonesia. Now, oh, I don't know if you speak Javanese. I'm which one it is, but Javanese. But Javanese, for her, I don't speak, well, a couple of words, but I don't speak Javanese, okay? But I would speak that she could understand it. And in her heart language, even though she speaks English, in her heart language, it makes a difference. So that's what we're talking about. It was used to help bring clarity about Christ, who Christ is, and the power of God in their lives. So it's all about power in, in, in God, in Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. It's the purpose is to bring the power of Jesus. Remember last week, the message was all about there's power in the name of Jesus. To bring the power of the name of Jesus into your life, to access that in, uh, you know, 24-7 all the time. So after the Holy Spirit fell, 120 people began to speak in languages, and they went out. They began to speak so loudly that thousands of people gathered around. 
And then Peter began to speak with one clear voice, and over 3,000 people became Christians. In the name of Jesus, they accepted, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, the next day or two, Peter, along with John, went to the temple. And there are certain times during the day that people would pray. And 3 o'clock in the afternoon was one of those times. And so here, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they're walking into the temple. And at the gate of the temple, which there usually is, there was a beggar. Well, Peter and John were like most of us. We didn't have, you know, two coins to rub together in our pocket. So they walked up, and they said, look at us. And, of course, he was reached out his hand, thinking he was with money. And he said, silver or gold have I none, but what I have. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And what did he do? His legs straightened. He popped up and, and literally began to leap. And with joy and boldness in his heart, he began to go around and shout and praise. Well, after everybody saw that, you thought 3,000 was one. Now there's 5,000 that are saved, that come to know the Lord. Now, that is going to make a difference. If you have one or two people kind of making a stir over here, that's one thing. But if you have it, all these people making a stir, it makes a difference. Pharisees, the scribes, Sadducees began to come. And they, they threatened Paul and Peter, uh, uh, Peter and John and said, listen, they took them pull them aside, put them in front of the, the little court there, religious court, and says, you better be quiet. Don't you talk about Jesus. Don't do anything there with Jesus. Now, that's where the verse came in earlier about Peter praying for boldness and speaking forth. And we're, we're fixing to work through this process a little bit, but I just want to kind of give you that idea of the story that it comes from. He's, he's confronted, he's threatened, but he says, listen, you tell me, should I, should I listen to you? Or should I listen to God? Which one should I listen to? Well, they still said, you better be quiet. They threatened. He went away. They went. They gathered. He went and gathered with all the believers. They prayed. They shouted. They came together in oneness and unity. And they began to share compassion and love and speak boldly to the Lord. So you see, the coming of the Holy Spirit is for the purpose of bringing the boldness of Jesus into your life. The name of Jesus. The power of Jesus in your life. And we need to make a, have a conviction and stand upon that conviction. So the key, the one key, uh, you may come up with more. That's, that's fine, but I'm, I'm preaching so I get to have the bully pulpit here. All right, so number one and only one, the disciples had been with Jesus. That's the key to boldness. They spent time in the company of Jesus and were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you can have a personality trait of boldness and be lost as a goose. You can, because most people are. Okay, so that's, uh, you know, most bold people are, are lost, unfortunately. But we're talking about being with Jesus. Or you could turn that around, Jesus being in you. But it's spending time with Jesus is where boldness comes from. It's where peace and contentment comes from. It's where wisdom comes from. Let's look at a couple of verses. We don't have time to go through all of them, so let's just hit these three. Now, this is when Peter and John were standing in front of the whole crowd, probably the Sanhedrin, 70 religious leaders who were all proud of themselves, sitting there telling them what they should, should not do because they were the religious police. And, uh, and they, after they heard Peter and John, that's when they said, when they saw the bold courage of Peter and John, 
and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were just plain old Joes that, that were fishermen, uneducated, you know, uh, not, not any people of, of, of power. Then they said, they were astonished, and they took note that these men, read it with me, had been with Jesus. Now, even in their blindness, these religious leaders, in their blindness, they could see. Well, man, the only, reason, only excuse that we could make about this is they were with Jesus. And then Peter spoke up, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight. This is what I said earlier. To obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Now, you and I have not seen Jesus physically face to face. Okay, we, we acknowledge that. If you have, we, there's, a, there's a place up in Pineville we may can send you to. But, you know, uh, Jesus it is revealed to us through the Holy Spirit, through his word, through our prayer, through our mind, he speaks to us. So we have Jesus in our hearts. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. You have full access to all that Jesus is and all the power of that. So you have seen and heard, especially if you've read the scriptures, which I hope you have. If not, you should be reading the scriptures every day. If you've read the scriptures, then you have a clear, at least the potential to have a clear understanding of what Jesus said, what he did, and what he wants from us. So, the disciples had been with Jesus. That's what we want to focus on today. Now, I'm going to break that apart very briefly as we look at what being with Jesus will change. Let's look, first of all, what will it change in your life? Well, it should change your love for God, for others. Don't you think if you spend time with Jesus... And Jesus is all about love. Don't you think it, it should make, should, would you agree that it should make a difference? Amen? Amen? It should make a difference in the way you love God and worship him. But also with the way you love one another. Because Jesus loved others. He commanded us to love one another. So our love for people, even if people irritate us, even if they have a different uh, political view or a different other type of view, we are to love them in Christ. Your loyalty Peter and John had their faith tested. Now, the Sanhedrin, the, 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 the religious police, they were used to having everybody just sort of kowtow to them. Just, if they said, you know, pray this way, act this way, go here, wash your hands this way, well, that's what everybody did. Because it was a man-made system of, of traditional religion. But Peter and John placed their loyalty in Jesus. It was in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They, that's where his, their loyalty lie. So it didn't matter what the political system, it didn't matter what the, the peers and what other people around them, what the world says, they had their loyalty and they made a choice to place their loyalty uh, on Christ. And then obviously your life. Jerry Shirley, a pastor, wrote this. I read in his article. The idea that you could meet Jesus and it not affect your very lifestyle is completely foreign to what the Bible teaches. Now, would you agree with that? Being with Jesus will change your love, your loyalty, and your life. Now, this is just sort of kind of give you a little overview of it. Now, let's look at what being with Jesus is accomplished by. How is that accomplished? Well, number one, acceptance of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and the filling of the Holy Spirit. You're never going to be in the presence of Jesus. You're never going to be with Jesus. You're never going to be saved. You're never going to have boldness of faith if you haven't accepted him as Lord and Savior, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. So, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you are a believer. And by the way, yesterday we had a 
funeral service here, Kelly and the Thibodeau's family member service, and seven people raised their hand and confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, whether exactly how, what they meant, what their background, we don't know, but they raised their hand with understanding that they were talking about wanting to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They made that confession of their faith in that. So they, at that point, those that genuinely made that decision, the Holy Spirit came into their heart, washed them, cleansed them, and filled them with the Spirit of Jesus, the power of Jesus. They were saved. And all that God has through Jesus and the Holy Spirit is in, in them now. And that's where boldness comes from. That's where faith comes from. That's how, you, that's how, that's how it's accomplished. How being with Jesus, what does that mean? Well, number one, it, it starts with you accepting him. Let's take a passage from Acts chapter 4. Now, again, this is still Peter standing before that group of Sanhedrin, the, the, the religious police, and explaining themselves. They again ask him another question. By what power or by what name have you done this? Remember, they just healed the guy. The, the guy that's what they were throwing a fit about. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel by, by the name of what? Jesus Christ. Of who? Of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, Christ. This man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Remember the song we sang earlier, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. There is salvation, nor is there salvation any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So, being with Jesus is accomplished first. Having faith, boldness, and prosperity in your faith begins with accepting Jesus as Lord and filling with the Holy Spirit. You haven't done that, in just a couple of minutes, we're going to have an invitation time. We're going to give you a, an opportunity, invite you to in, in, in receive Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in your life. And I hope that if you, if you haven't, you will do that. Okay, besides acceptance of Jesus, the next step is, and this is how being with Jesus, what it means, how it's accomplished. It's through fervent prayer and unity with other believers. Now, I left off uh, individually as well. So the next point, I put it on there, but prayer, individual prayer and corporate prayer in unity. That's how being with Jesus, that's how uh, your bold faith is accomplished. You should be praying every day. Now, of course, it says we're to be continuously in prayer, but you should have specific prayer time and prayer focus every day of your life, individually. But then you should come on Sunday mornings and some on Wednesday nights we do that as well. Or at other times you gather with believers and you pray in unity. We need to pray. Now we do a lot of praying here. Every Sunday morning, you might not know this, a group of, of men gather at 9 o'clock and we pray for the service and for unity and power in our church. We start the service off like David usually starts off the service with prayer. I have a pastoral prayer. We have an offertory prayer. We have a prayer at the invitation time and then we we pray, we pray or sing the Lord's Prayer. So prayer is all through this. But we need to bring to more prominence the need for prayer and unity, fervent prayer. We need to be praying that this church becomes unified in love and purpose, that we quit, which I don't, we don't really have a major problem, but we don't get caught up with 
criticizing other people, judging other people, looking for negative things. We need to be encouraging and motivating people to live righteously and lovingly. That's what's going to make a difference. That's what's going to make uh, Broussard begin to come here. Because if they came here and saw that, it would make a difference. Acts chapter 4, 23, 24. And being let go, Peter and John, when they got let go by the, from the, those chief priests, they went to their own companions and reported, reported that all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. Uh, that's talking about prayer. So in prayer, they raised their voice to God for, for wisdom, guidance, direction, and, and understanding. We need to be praying. And when we have our prayer times at different times of the services, we want you to join with us. Don't just sit there and listen. Pray with them and come to, and feel a unity there. And join with others. Maybe you want to call somebody up. I know some of you classes, you have prayer partners. You know, call, get a prayer partner and call them each week or every other day or whatever. And pray. We need to have that time praying together. St. Augustine said, pray as though everything depended on God and work as though everything depended on you. And then Warren Wiersbe said, prayer is not an escape from responsibility. A lot of people in the world accuse us Christians of needing crutches and that prayer is just a way to, to get out from under our stress. But what it really is, prayer is our response to God's ability and what he can do. Because we cannot do anything on our own. It's the power of Jesus in us that accomplishes things. That's where the boldness comes from. You try to be bold on your own, that's what the problem has been with many Christians and why the world hates Christians so much is because there's been a lot of bold Christians that are nothing more than loud honking goose, just honking out things. You know, repent, da-da, da-da, da-da. Now, there is a, a, a time to call to repentance, it is. But it's the way you do it. Because we're to speak the truth in love. And what's the problem has been a lot of Christians have not been speaking the truth in love. And it gives the rest of us a bad name. People don't, a lot of people haven't grown up with Christians. All they think about is somebody criticizing them. Don't do this, don't do this, all that. We've got to turn that around and let a boldness of love come forth. So fervent prayer is a key. And then thirdly, and I'm not going too much in there because I've talked a lot about this, it's consistent reading, study, and meditation on Scripture, individually and corporately. I meant to put that on the other point. You should be praying individually, and you should be praying with others. You should be reading your Bible and studying it and meditating on it every day individually, but you should also be here on Sunday morning in a Sunday school small group class. If you're not in a Sunday school small group class, you're missing out part of your faith experience. There are several classes you can join. But you need to come, and you need to be committed to that and follow through on that. During the service, I, I bring Scripture out. We do that corporately here in a sense. So we need to pray. It starts off with accepting Jesus. And then you need to pray at home and with others. You need to read the Scriptures at home and here. And then you need to put that into practice in obedience. And that's why trust in and obedience to God's Word is vital for being a bold Christian and for spending time with Jesus. We'll pull up an Old Testament verse, one of my favorite Old Testament verses. This is Joshua and Moses. And remember, they just come out of Egypt before they're going into the Promised Land. And the Ten Commandments that we read earlier have been given. They're, they're in the tabernacle, and they're focusing. Uh, and Joshua is fixing to 
takeover after Moses is sort of handed, handing the, the mantle off to Joshua. So this is what we find. No man will be, this is God speaking to Joshua, and Moses or Joshua 1 is writing it down. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. So therefore, be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give you. Only be strong and very courageous. But he ties that together with this condition. Be careful to, to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, has commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you will have success, confidence, boldness, wherever you go. Verse 8. This book of the law, now that's the, the uh, at that point they had the first five books uh, that they were talking about. This book, the Torah, of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Again, he says it. I think he's got a point to make here. Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble, tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So, talk about being with Jesus, the Lord be with you wherever you go. That comes from prayer and Bible study. When you read God's word and you pray over it and you put it into practice, then you've got power. You've got power. But you have to access that. You have to focus on that. I can preach it and hammer it all day long, but you have to make that decision. You have to be convicted and make that choice yourself. I'm trying to compel you to do that, but you have the responsibility. So I'm, I'm just letting you know, I'm, I'm, I'm releasing my responsibility. I've told you now, it's your, your fault if you don't. Okay, now thirdly, being with Jesus is displayed. This is a third little sub-point. We've already looked at how it will change us and then how it's displayed, and now we'll close with these two things. How is Jesus displayed in, in our life? Well, number one, being with Jesus, having faith, a bold faith, will show bold and faithful sharing of the gospel through speech and actions. Now, some of you here say, well, you know, I just can't share, I just can't get out there, I'm just, I'm just too, too shy to do that. Humbug, there is no, that's, that's a personality I'm talking about, you're talking about, I'm talking about a spiritual characteristic. If you've been with Jesus, you're praying every day, you're praying on Sundays, you're reading your Bible every day, you're coming to study it, read it, you put it into practice, there is no excuse for not being a clear, compassionate, compelling witness. Even if it's with a soft voice, one-on-one, -on -one, or in a large crowd, don't get mixed up with what the world's view is or what your opinion of it is. We are to be bold and faithful in our speech and our actions. That's how being with Jesus is displayed. That's the fruit of being with Jesus. Is that in being with Jesus through prayer, through scripture, and accepting him, you're going to share your faith. Let's look at Acts 4, 18 through 20. Again, this is the same hard-headed police, uh, religious police, that are talking to him. So they, the Pharisees and the scribes, called Peter and John and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right, again, we're we'll, repeating this one, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard. And then for, verse 29, 
Now, Lord, this is a prayer. With, he, he went to his people. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Remember that word candor and boldness was speaking truth and making a stand even in the face of opposition. A lot of us don't like to conflict or opposition. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to risk a friendship or something. The one thing that your friend or your co-worker or your family member needs above all else is not your money. It's not your time. What they need is Jesus. They may not realize that, but that's what they need. The most loving, caring thing you can do for someone is to share Jesus with them. Now, of course, you do that lovingly after building a relationship and help walking with them in, in a calm, clear, compelling manner. But we have to be intentional about that. Bold and faithful sharing the gospel through speech and actions. That's the outcome of this accepting Christ, praying, reading scriptures, and obeying. Now, the second and the last one that I'm going to bring up is the sweet fellowship of the believers and compassionate generosity. There should be a sweetness of the fellowship. There should be a compassionate generosity. Let's finish up the last of chapter 4. Now this is Peter and John and all the disciples gathered together and a description of what takes place when you pray together, when you read scripture together, and when you share your faith together. Now, the multitude of those who believed, which are 5,000 plus at this point, were of one heart and one soul. Neither did it Anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. Now was there, now was there, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one as anyone had need. When you are one, if you are spending time with Jesus, you're praying, you're reading scripture, you're obeying it, not only are you going to speak and act in godly ways, it's going to cause a, a compassionate unity of fellowship, of generosity. They gave. Now, this is not teaching socialism or communal living. It's not what it's teaching at all. Now, whether that's right or wrong, that's not my point here to make. That's not this point. This is talking about common sharing. If you have a need, we need to help meet that need. That's what, that's what we do. Compassionate generosity. I want to challenge you and lay out there that we need to be more compassionately generous. If we would, and if we're sharing the witness and, and, and reaching out to people, we're going to be bringing in more people, and then they can help share, and we're going to have more than enough offerings so that when on the, the offering plates, we'll, we'll need an armed guard to carry all the, the finances, or either you give online. That would be a quick way, an easy way to give online through your, your app. But we should have so much that we are looking for things and for people to serve and to give to. Now, we're not quite there yet. We, unfortunately, have had major cuts and our budgets, our salaries, and all types of things. But you see, God is still moving, and he's wanting us to come together and pray and to read Scripture, to share our faith, and to begin to build a 
harmony of fellowship. We need to be loving, caring, building one another. And money is not going to be a problem when we, get, when we come to that point. But it starts with spending time with Jesus, praying, reading your scripture, and then you opening your mouth and taking your feet and taking the gospel of Jesus to your world. You have to make that commitment. We're saved, we're called and commissioned to be bold and courageous in our faith. So, don't be an undercover Christian. All right? Don't be uh, a cowardly lion. But do have courage and strength. We need to have a bold faith. It's time to be a bold faith. Not undercover, but bold. But it's your choice to make. This is Pastor Moke again. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this sermon. Maybe something you've heard in the message or read in the notes has challenged your thinking about your faith. If so, our staff is here to help in whatever way we can. And don't forget to check out the other sermons in this series as well. May God bless you.